Welcome to the Business of Design podcast. I'm Cheryl Horn, Director of Operations for Business of Design. A lot has changed at Business of Design since this episode originally aired. For the latest information and rates on events and membership at Business of Design, head to businessofdesign.com. Enjoy the show. Hey, everybody, you're in the right place. This is Business of Design, and we are talking about all those things that help you not only survive life as a busy interior design professional, but thrive in a life uh, and create a career that is actually fulfilling, not just financially, although that's important, but um, emotionally and spiritually fulfilling as well. And we're going to talk about uh, the subject of money today. This is part two. Episode 35, Why Smart Entrepreneurs Do Dumb Things With Money. You may remember episode 31, where we also featured Bruce Celery. He's a huge personality. I love this guy. He's a lot of fun. We happen to be on the same television program, City Line. He talks about money and finance. Of course, I talk about interior design. We've never been on the show together, uh, but I think there's lots of crossover, as we discovered during this podcast. During the interview, I happened to mention that uh, the very same day we did the interview, I was running off after that interview and going to a presentation, a step five with a client. And the presentation package totaled $1.3 million. And that's at the high end of projects that we do, for sure. We don't, not every project we have is $1.3 million. In fact, it's much more likely that the project is going to be two hundred dollars or $300,000. But that was the number. And it never fails uh, to concern me when I see a big number at the bottom of that presentation. And it was great to talk to Bruce about how to manage the fear of discussing the big numbers with clients. And let me be really clear, 200000 is still a big number. And I still still get anxious when I'm going to do a client presentation and the number's 200,000. It basically doesn't matter what the number is. I put my own kind of default uh, naivete about money onto that number and I'm concerned the client is going to be, wow, upset or freaked out or, you know, want to do it for half that price. And I can tell you in the last decade that I've been using the 15 steps uh, really strictly, I have not had a single client freak out at the number. I have had clients say, wow, I wasn't expecting that. And then they get through that sticker shock and they come to some sort of decision. We're going to do the whole thing, even though it's a much bigger number than I thought. That's almost always what happens. But on occasion, they'll say, you know, we're going to break it into two parts or we're going to cut some things back. We're not going to do a couple of things. And so we're going to be able to trim that number a little bit. But what has never happened, never is a client has said, oh my gosh, Kimberly, you have done something wrong. You are bad. You have made this too expensive. That has never happened. Uh, And yet I do want to share with you that despite the confidence that I have running my business, and I do feel very confident running my business, I still, just prior to every presentation, think, oh my gosh, that's such a big number. I wish it were lower. I just so wish it was going to be easier for the client to digest. And maybe that's okay. Maybe that's me being a human being and empathizing with how that client's going to feel about that big number. 
anyway, I did go to the presentation following that interview. Uh, it went beautifully well. It lasted six hours. I've never had a presentation that has gone six hours. We had to stop and have a coffee break and eat some almonds because they think we we're going to pass out. Uh, the reason it took so long is the client wanted to really talk about every single thing I showed her, which is not my typical experience. Usually they'll stop on a few items and ask a lot of questions, but some items I just go, that's great, that's great, that's great, let's move on. She really wanted to talk about almost every single thing I showed her. And that's her process and that's the experience she wants to have. And at the end, when I had to say the big number, and I did, the client looked, uh, you know, kind of like, wow, that's a big number. We um, sat there for a moment, made some small talk as, as Kathy and I packed things up. And then the client said, you know, I kind of figured it would be about that much. Wow. Now, I have had that experience many times. Uh, and I was super happy to have had that experience again. So we're moving forward with everything and it's going to be a great project. And I love the 15 steps because there's no going backwards. It's all moving forward. And I'm really excited about that. And again, I can't emphasize this enough. If your project is $10,000, you could have the same anxiety and concerns that you have if your project is $1 million. It doesn't matter. It always feels to me like I wish it would be less expensive. So the client would be even happier. In this continuation of episode 31, we're at episode 35. Bruce is going to go through the remaining steps to financial maturity. Uh, step number two is going to be determine what you want. Step number three is develop the plan. Step number four is take action. And step number five is stay engaged. All of this information is going to be available to you at businessofdesign.com. So don't feel like you have to pull over and write it down. Uh, I, I, we had a great uh, Facebook comment the other day. Someone listened to Bruce Phillips' uh, podcast three times and she was going back for one more listen, which I completely completely understand when somebody says something that blows my mind, I just want to keep listening to it until it sinks in and I really take it in. Before I check in with Cheryl and do some housekeeping, I am going to tell you a little bit about Bruce Celery. As I said, he's a finance expert. He is a regular guest on the CBC and City Line, and has a column in Money Sense. He's the author of two best-selling books, including Moolah Law, Why Smart People Do Dumb Things With Their Money and What You Can Do About It, and Moolah Law, Guide to Rockin' Your RRSP. Uh, that's Canadian for 401k, and I'm not sure what it's called in other countries around the world, but basically it's about getting a handle on your retirement. And the time to start thinking about your retirement is when you're 30, when you're 35. Uh, don't put it off like a lot of people. It's not nearly as scary as it sounds. Now, prior to a transformation into a journalist, Bruce was a brand manager at Procter & Gamble. So he really has a strong background in running a business. So much of what he talks about in this episode is completely and totally relatable to interior design professions, including including the fact that he gets paid $10,000 to appear as a speaker, and he's always shocked it's such a big number, and yet his clients pay him. So even Bruce, a finance expert, understands what it feels like to have that sticker shock going on, but faces that fear and does it anyway. By now, you know I can't live without Cheryl Horn. She keeps business of design running, and she keeps me on track. Let's hear what she's got to say this week. 
Hey, Cheryl. We're going on a trip. Tell them about High Point. We are. We've actually, we've been talking about High Point for a while. We've had um, asked listeners to sort of weigh in uh, where they want to go. We've got a couple, we've had a couple on our list, but High Point Market, it's on our calendar. We've just opened up registration. So it's coming up on April 13th to 15th. Uh, The cost is uh, $1,195, but we're really encouraging everyone to sign up early. Hotels go so fast. So if you register before the end of the year, uh, we're only taking a 50% uh, deposit to register because we're hoping that'll encourage people sign up early and get your hotels uh, booked. Now we do have a block of rooms. We're hoping our whole group can stay together. Um, So when you, when you register, we will be connecting you with our travel agent to set that up. But um, the details for the, uh, for the event are on the site. We're going to be touring the market, attending events as a group, lots of group coaching. I know a lot of people have been asking for that and that's what they're hoping to get with with you when they're, we're there. And one-on-one coaching as well, don't forget. Um, the other thing I want to point out is the hotel costs, I think, approximately $289. It's a great location, yes. close to the market. We will have transportation. If you have another place that you stay or you want to pile eight women into an apartment through Airbnb, go for it. You can definitely uh, sign up for our trip and stay somewhere else. But of course, it's always nice if you can stay at the same hotel and we're kind of contemplating on the Saturday night, uh, a doctor is in a uh, pajama party event where you guys just could go out for dinner, uh, come back to the hotel, hang out in my suite and just kind of have a super casual uh, coaching conversation if there are things going on that are really uh, would make your life better to know more about. So it's going to be fun. There's going to be uh, lots of learning and lots of wine. And it's a great Christmas present that also happens to be a write-off or a great holiday gift. So think about coming with us, you guys. We really love you too. And Cheryl, thank you so much for dropping in. Take care. We'll talk to you soon. Awesome. Welcome to the Business of Design podcast with Kimberly Selden. Brought to you by Business of Design, a coaching community for independent designers like you. We all know design matters. At Business of Design, we think designers matter too. Celery, you came back. Thank you so much. My pleasure. We had so much to talk about. We had a a list of, I think there were five steps that we wanted to cover so that as an entrepreneur, we can get a little bit smarter when it comes to money. And when you were on the first time, that was episode number 31, we started talking about step number one, which was lay the foundation. And you laid on us those four C's. What are those four C's again? Remind everybody real quickly. Four C's, why smart people do dumb things with their money, is context. They don't answer the question, what is money for? Consequences. They don't have a sense for how the effect or outcome of their behavior. Complexity. They've got too much or too little. And community. They're not engaging the people around them. So really getting a sense for how those C factors manifest in your life is the number one thing to lay the foundation. It's not about getting a university degree in accounting. It's not about talking to your neighbor about how much you made. It's none of that. It's really about those four things. And as I said last time, everything I do is about inspiring people to get a better handle on their money so they can live the life they want. I have no judgment about what that life is. And the reason I include inspiring is we know that what drives behavior is not more knowledge. 
More knowledge is not helpful. It is diminishing returns. Knowledge is nice and lovely. But what I would way more uh, rather, what I would what I would rather people have is an insight. Because an insight, to use the cliche, is the light bulb that alters behavior. So insight alters behavior. And when you're inspired, you're gonna like move, you move mountains, you'll walk across hot coals, you'll you'll install the light fixture on an 18-story building. You'll just do it because you're inspired. You won't do that because you have more knowledge, because you know what a PL is or you know what a debt ratio is, or that knowledge stuff, nah, who cares? Inspiration and insight though. Woo! <laughs> okay, you're going to give us some inspiration and insight as we work our way through the rest of the five steps. So step number one was lay the foundation. Step yeah. number two is determine what you want. And I'm going to lead off by saying, I want more money. Let's just, there, yeah. I just said it. And I'm speaking, I hope, for a lot of the listeners who want more money. Uh, does that work for step number two? No. Ah, thwarted. Why do you want more money? Okay, we're back at that again. All right. Yeah. <laughs> I have to put some context around the money. Here's why. Money is just a tool. It's just a tool. That's all it is. So if I think about a, um, do most of your clients, would they use like a CAD program or what would be a tool that a designer would use? Yeah, a sketchbook? Auto, AutoCAD or Google SketchUp. AutoCAD, or, right. Mm -hmm. So it, you, you need AutoCAD to do certainly complex renovations and complex design. You need AutoCAD. It's great. So it'd be like me saying, what kind of work do you want to do? And, and a designer, but like, oh my gosh, I really want people's um, self-expression in their homes. I want it to be uh, a place of calm and nurturing and magic, whatever the words they would use to design what their, what their contribution to the world is through design. It's that. And so if I say, what do you want? And they said, I want AutoCAD. Well, like you just heard the fart sound going out like wah, wah. that's the booby prize. AutoCAD. Who cares about AutoCAD? Like, can you imagine you go to a, a, a sales meeting with a big client and they say, what can you bring to my the design of this new hotel lobby? What What's your like wow idea? And instead of showing your portfolio of hotel lobbies you have done around the world for the Shangri-La chain, you say, I'm bringing AutoCAD. Because <laughs> you're talking about a tool. So I don't care about the tool. I mean, it's a tool. You need to learn how to use it, all but right. that's all that it is. So when I want to know what you want, I want to know, when I want specifics, what do you want when it comes to travel? What do you want when it comes to contribution? What do you want when it comes to health? your physical health, your spiritual health, your mental health. What do you want when it comes to family? Do you want to have a kid? Do you want to get married? Do you want to get your kid to move out of your basement? What do you want when it comes to, um, you know, all these broad areas? What do you want when it comes to your peace of mind? Because some people are so stressed that, you know, if they answer this question, I want more money, really? Do you want more money? Or do you want to be able to sleep for six hours a night peacefully? Because everything that I have said, home, fitness, travel, contribution, family, every single thing has a dollar sign attached. And we forget that. We don't think about that. But everything, everything, everything has a dollar sign attached. Now, you might think, Bruce, if I um, am focused on my spirituality, there is no dollar sign attached. Maybe not. Maybe not. But here's where there is. If what you need to do to um, focus on your spirituality 
is carve out one free day a week, there's a dollar sign attached because you used to work seven days a week. And now I'm saying don't work seven days a week, work six days a week. That has a dollar sign attached. Right. So, and you may say, listen, what would really bring my spirituality, what would really be an amazing focus for me is a yoga retreat in Costa Rica. Awesome. Dollar sign attached. Mm -hmm. So I say that not as a limiter. I say that as an incentive to learn to use the damn AutoCAD, (laughs) learn to use the damn tool. Because so, so many people are like, oh, I, I don't like math. I don't like money. I don't want to talk about money. It's not about money for me. It's all about the design. It's all about the color palette. It's all about the having people feel joyful in their space. Awesome. 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 Learn to use tool money as a tool, right? Not because you're going to be a financial advisor. Don't do that. My God, we don't need any more of those. We need more people who bring beauty to the world. Right. Uh, We also have to talk about money as a tool when we're meeting with a client. It's like I'm doing a presentation today, literally today. The bottom line on the presentation is $1.3 million. That's a lot of money. That is a lot of money. There's no way around it. And I have to talk about the tool of money at that meeting today. Yeah. But it's not going to be very effective if I say, I need you to put, you know, $1.3 million in my bank account. It's going to be much more effective if I say, we're going to, you know, we're redesigning your whole house from top to bottom and blowing out every wall there is, et cetera. Yeah. Okay. And that you are able to walk the balance. And I'm sure you do this because you're successful in what you do. There's really no way to be successful in what you do without walking the balance. To be clear about the money, unapologetic about the money knowing that people work hard for their money and linking the money to the magic you're going to create. Right. So if you said, hi, hello, here's the new thing. It's $1.3 million. And you haven't shown them anything. You haven't talked about the vision. You haven't given them an essence of a sense of what that amazing thing is going to look like. Like who pays $1.3 million? I don't care what it is. It's a ridiculous amount of money. So you need to have them be like, oh my God, I am so excited for this design project. And then when you talk about the money, you're not hiding it. You're not pretending it's not a big amount of money, but they go, yeah, totally. We have to do this. It's perfect. It's totally worth it. Let's do it. Okay. So, so while we're talking about this, because I, I don't, I haven't spent $1.3 million on a, a renovation, right? And that happens to us a lot that we're doing a presentation to a client and the amount of money we're asking for is such a big number that we're like, Oh my God, nobody would ever spend this much money. How do we get comfortable talking to people who have more cash to spend uh, than we do. How do we not put our own personal biases and hangups on that dollar amount? You fake it till you make it. Okay, good. So I, I'm a professional speaker and um, I get paid $10,000 a day, which I think is hysterical. I just think it's like a hysterical amount of money. And I, in the beginning, was like, that's ridiculous. No one should ever pay that. And then I started to hang out with speakers who make $25,000 an hour. And I thought, that's ridiculous. Like, that is obnoxious. <laughs> it's obscene. I can't. But that's just the price, right? So in context, the price makes perfect sense. Out of context, you think these people are like drug dealers and how like they're totally cheating the system. But when you're hosting an event with a thousand people, it's not a lot of money when it's 10 bucks a person. 
and you're already spending $50,000 on the hotel and everybody's flying in. So that's another $100,000. In that context, we as speakers can deliver $10,000 worth of value. Right. So, but how do you get there? You fake it till you make it. And I also have, I now am repped by a speaking bureau. So they're the one who spits out the number. Cause I think, you know, when I spit out the number, it's like, that's a ridiculous amount of money. You totally right. shouldn't pay that. But see, but we, we have I, to spit out the number when we go face to face with a client, we have yeah. to spit out the number. And so I say this all the time. I describe the value. Of course, we go through the presentation in a very specific way. And then at the very end, the total is $1.3 million and uh, we need a 75% deposit to get started. And then I physically yeah. will put my hands under my thighs sitting on my hands and that is my signal to shut up shut and don't up. say another Just thing let them take it in yeah there's a sticker shock that's going to happen yeah. right so i got it i've got to respect their right to have that sticker shock and then take a moment and almost always they come back and go okay well let's do yeah. it you know let's do it and there's a you remember that um that framework of the elizabeth kubler ross grieving five steps. I can't remember what the five steps are, but it's like denial, bargaining, anger, like whatever those are. People have their own gestation on pricing. So I love that you sit in your hands. I think that's brilliant. And what you've probably learned over time is people need to go through those phases of denial, accept, denial, anger, acceptance. And then when you hit acceptance, they're like, you know what, this is what we want to do. We have the money we're going to do it. Right. But if you get in there and if you get activated by, so they're angry, maybe they're angry or they're annoyed, let's say annoyed. And if you try and get in there and like problem solve it and talk to them about it, it's like, no, they're just going through a phase. Maybe they're just going through the annoyance phase. And then they're going to come out at the other side and say, yeah, here's the deposit on we go. That's right. And there's lots of things we do to make sure that they're aware of what that cost is going to be before we get to that meeting. So there's not yeah. really a huge surprise. Um, yeah. Okay. So so that's cool. So that was all how to think about and consider, determine what it is that you want yeah. and what you need. Um, and just one last point on this. Kids are great at this question. Abby knows she wants to be a rainbow zebra for Halloween. So we are like <laughs> on the hunt. Where's the sp- hairs? Like, what's the whole thing? Adults aren't so good at determining what we want. We're good at like, I want more money, but why? Why do we want that? What's the vision that we're living into? Why is it so hard? Because we're bloody working 20 of 24 hours a day. We're under extraordinary stress. We've got spouses. We've got kids. We've got, you know, the, the, the muffin top we're trying to get rid of. We've got a lot going on. And so we lose our ability to dream. And so what I'd love for your clients to do is to sit down maybe with a guided meditation and just be with this question. What do I want Mm -hmm. across all the areas that I've mentioned and just come up with some things and just like, because that then becomes the next layer of context. That becomes the next layer of why am I working so hard? Mm -hmm. Well, I'm working so hard because I want to travel or I want a beautiful home for myself or I want whatever it is. I don't know what it is and I don't care what it is, but that's our vested interest. That's our motivation. And that's what we then start talking to the universe. But you, you referenced the universe. I love the universe. You need to give the universe a job. And for a lot of us, we haven't told the universe what their job is. Or we ask for too little. 
we yeah. we look for just eking by. I just want to make yeah. enough to eke by when instead I'd like to make a rich salary so I can travel, so I can go on a spiritual yeah. retreat, so I can help my parents buy a new car, et cetera, et cetera. Okay, r- really good stuff. Okay, then step three has to do with developing a plan. Yeah. If you have everything you want, there is no plan required. If you've got the perfect house and someone to clean it, there's no plan required in the area of home. If you don't, you need a plan. And I think sometimes people in a renovation, it's very clear. You don't start a renovation without a plan, or at least not if you're a professional. But when it comes to getting a handle on your money and uh, focusing on on these goals, people under plan. And it's hilarious because I work with all sorts of uh, all levels of people. So, you know, people who are new hires at a company, CEOs, people who are project managers, people who are artists, people who are directors, like literally everything. And most jobs, not all, but most jobs require some basic planning skills. So what's the objective or what's the vision? By when? What are the actions we need to take? When it comes to getting a handle on your money, it's like they've never developed a plan for anything in their life. <laughs> right. You know, like, I don't even know what you're talking about. I can plan a multifaceted, you know, third story basement dig out, beautiful renovation and doing a basic financial plan with the help of an advisor is like, blah, 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 blah. I have no You've idea. just described about. most of the audience listening. Like yep. these people can move mountains. They're incredibly smart, incredibly talented. They can all multitask like nobody's business. But you start talking about a financial plan and everybody goes, I don't have yeah, time. I I'll do that know. later. So let's use something that's fairly micro, a plan to pay off your credit card. So what's the plan? So here's what people will say. I've got $5,000 in credit card debt, and I'll say, what's the plan? And they'll say, I don't even know what you're talking about. Okay, so here's, here's what we do. In order to pay off your credit card debt, you need to do one of two things or both or, or a combination. Increase your income and cut your spending. There's, there, there's, there's the, there are the buckets. So how are you going to increase your income? Well, some people, it's going to be in the business. I'm going to land three extra clients this month or this year. Some people it's, well, I've actually got income opportunities uh, that I that aren't in the business. And so I may, for example, Airbnb my house or my basement or, uh, you know, take in a boarder, a Japanese language student who's in North America or whatever it is. So there may be ways to increase your income. Some people also who are transitioning to the world of design may have other skills that they don't love to do, but that they can do that might be a way to increase income. And I don't know what that that would be, but that's the number one lever to pull that we don't think about pulling. We really think about scarcity instead of abundance. So we don't think about how am I going to increase my income? We think about how am I going to how, if I stop drinking my favorite coffee in the world, then all my problems will go away. It's like, no, 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 no. Drink your coffee. Have your coffee. Have your coffee at the fanciest coffee shop because that's probably not going to be what eradicates your $5,000 in credit card debt. Right. Then on the expense front, what am I – this is analyze, brainstorm, change. What's going on in my, um, in my, uh, with my expenses, either in my business or in my life, and what could I reduce? So it's never easy. It's never fun, this part. But maybe it's getting rid of cable TV. Maybe it's getting rid of my landline. Maybe it's um, saying I've got three months where I do not buy anything for my um, wardrobe. And by the way, I say all this. Some of your listeners are like, he totally doesn't get it. 
I am concerned about paying my electricity bill. Like they're living so close to the edge. So if that's you, I'm including you in this. I've still got your back on this. It's just shades of gray. Everybody's got their things. Some people are figuring out how to cut, you know, hundred thousand dollars from their from their expenses. Some people are figuring out how to cut expenses or increase income so that they can pay their electricity bill. So it's really at all levels of income that people have to do that. Mm-hmm. Wow. Okay. And as you say, it's not fun, but it's not really all that scary once you get started. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm also, it's not that scary once you get started. There's also, let's not pretend you're not going to miss the money. If you'd say, I'm getting rid of my cable bill, you'll come home and be like, oh my God, I'm so excited. Game of Thrones is on tonight. It's awesome. And you turn on your TV and like, why can't I find HBO? Where is my, oh my God, I no longer have HBO. Right. Oh my God. So, so the personal finance experts who say, it's fine. You won't even miss the money. Yeah, uh, yeah no. you might. Or you won't even miss the HBO. No, you'll miss it. And you'll be pissed, but that it's could in motivate of a greater you. Good. Yeah, that could motivate you to raise your rates and do the things you need to do, and hire that bookkeeper and yeah. do the things you need to do to make more money. Um, Life is a series of trade-offs. Yeah. We all make trade-offs of time and of money every single day. So you're just making different trade-offs. All right. Step four is take action. I am action Jackson. I mean, I want to take action before the thought is out of my brain. So I don't have a problem that I don't take action. I sometimes have a problem that I don't set the right intention before I take action or I don't Mm. do the analytics before I take action. Uh, But what's what's step four about for most of us? Yeah. So for most people, they, they may be action takers in certain areas of their life, but not in the area of getting a handle on your money. So, uh, you know, I, here's, here's my thing. I am a man of a certain age. And as one becomes a man of a certain age, there's this thing that happens, which I am just learning. First, you start to lose your vision and you have to wear reading glasses. Second, it becomes more probable that there will be an extra pound or two hanging off you in a way that you do not like. So where I... We're so lucky women, we don't have to worry about either. Women don't have to deal with this, but I will tell you for men. So if you have any male listeners out there, they know I'm talking about this. Weight creeps on, right? So how do I take action? So I've got the plan. I know what the plan is. I know how to, I know how I actually do know how to lose uh, weight and I don't need to lose hundred pounds. I need to lose a little bit. What do I, the plan? I got the plan. So taking action is about patience, creativity, discipline, or courage. It's one of four things. It's always one of four things. So what does it take to take action? It takes patience, creativity, discipline, and courage. I, the courage part for me, I am terrified about reducing my carbo, my carbohydrate intake. And I'm terrified because I don't know that I have the willpower. So I'm not sure that I have the willpower to do that. I also get hangry. I'm one of those people who gets hangry. And how we solve hangry is we jam a toasted buttered bagel like right in my face. We just jam <laughs> it in there. And we like, we barely even lick the fingers with the butter dripping off the bagel and like the best thing. So what am I going to do when I'm hangry? Because I can't have that bagel. So it's part courage and it's part discipline. Like I actually don't want to be disciplined. I want what I want. I want to drive through that donut place and buy the fritter. Not every day, but I want to buy that apple fritter. Well, I can't do that. So taking action is about identifying which of those 
four things you really need to keep on top of and then doing something that will help you. So I, I know I'm talking about this in a health way, but you reapply it in money. I track every, every single morsel of food I put in my mouth. And I'm not doing that for the rest of my life. I'm doing that because I have to come back to habits that I know work for my particular physiology. And that is I can't eat a lot of carbohydrates. Not none, but I can't have cereal for breakfast, bagel for lunch, pasta for dinner. My body just doesn't work that way. I just can't do it. So I have to be disciplined, and that tracking is a way for me to be disciplined. So when you think about taking action in the area of money, it's like, what do I need? I need patience, creativity, discipline, or courage. What am I going to do? Sorry, I'm just thinking about that bagel. Really I know. Do you have what kind of bagel would you have? <laughs> you would lost you have a me for a bagel? Would I, you, or a cheese bagel? Uh, no, um, what are the poppy seed? Poppy seed, yeah. Because yeah. for women, oh, the weight that, doesn't that, creep on. Can I just say, for women, the weight doesn't creep on. It's like a, a fat suit. One day you wake up and someone has <laughs> zipped you into a freaking Michelin man suit. And right. um, anyway, but I digress. I don't want to talk about bagels anymore, Bruce. Don't you dare say bagels again. I will not. I'm not saying bagels anymore. I should use a different, I'll use it. I'll, I could choose a different metaphor entirely. Oh. But step four is take action. So you've laid the foundation. You've determined what you want. You're like, I want to have a month in Tuscany. That's what I want. Develop the plan. Well, I'm going to um, open up a separate bank account for Tuscany and every month, $500 is coming out of my account automatically and going into my Tuscany account. That's the plan. Well, uh, that's on, on the where the money's going to go, but I need to cut expenses. So I'm going to get rid of cable and landline. That's 300 bucks. And then I'm going to land one extra client a month. So that's the extra 200 bucks onwards. Take action. Well, the action is I got to drive by my bank because they can't do it online. Say, hi, I need a new bank account. Set up 500 bucks to come out of my bank account automatically. Go done. That's take action. Okay. I love it. Break it down into manageable steps that you can do, but first and foremost, own what you want. Be comfortable yeah. enough to say, I deserve a month in Tuscany and I am going to make this happen. Yeah. Okay. And then number five, stay engaged. Uh, if I could <laughs> get a handle on my money once and have it be done, I would just love that. But the truth of money is the truth of exercise, is the truth of food, is the truth of parenting, is the truth of marriage. There is no getting a handle on. There is only keeping a handle on. Keeping a handle on your physical health, your mental health, you know, the, the, the wellness of your, um, of your family life with your kids and with your spouse, it's, it's an ongoing thing. So the, the framework that I use on staying engaged, which I find really helpful, it comes from a habits expert named Nir Eyal, E-Y-A-L. And he says that habits are created with uh, three variables. How you, you need three variables in order to create a new habit. Motivation plus ability plus trigger equals a habit. And I'm going to tell you about those three things. So let's say your motivation um, to, to stop um, or to increase your savings is that you want to go to Tuscany. So that's your motivation. You're like, it's all about Tuscany. That's my motivation. I got the motivation. Awesome. Do you have the ability to stop shopping? Yeah, I do. I do have the ability. I know how to do it. For some things, they're more complicated. You need to learn a skill. But this one, yeah, I just stop shopping. What's the trigger? And in this case, it's the removing the trigger that has you go to the mall. 
or go online shopping. So here's an example. A lot of people shop as a social exercise. So they meet their girlfriend or the boyfriend or whatever, and they go to the mall. Now, less so these days with online shopping. But if you go to the mall, the probability of you buying something at the mall is much higher than if you don't go to the mall. If you simply don't go to the mall, you're less likely to spend money on something that you're endeavoring to, to pull back on spending. So you and your girlfriend who have this weekly date where you go to the mall or monthly date or whatever, what's a different activity? Is it a walk? Is it a, um, come on over on a Sunday, instead of going to the mall, what we're going to do is we're going to make slow cooker meals for the week, or we're just going to have a gab on the back deck. We're just going to natter and it's going to be great. So just replacing that with, we used to go to the mall our trigger now is, nope, we're coming over and we're making slow cooker meals or we're going for a walk with our Fitbits or whatever. So the discipline around staying engaged is about um, cultivating new habits because what we don't want is for personal finance to become your new hobby. So boring. Worst hobby ever. Instead, you should watch Amazing Race or Game of Thrones (laughs) or I just started the new season of This Is Us. I haven't seen that. I have to watch that. Oh, yeah. Full on tears. Yeah. Yeah. Like ugly cry, ugly cry, (laughs) love an ugly cry. So really that's step number five is how do you stay engaged with all this is you just have it be a part of uh, a part of who you are and what you do. So, you know, there are lots of things and, and, and every person who, um, wakes up every day and has healthy relationships and just has some area of success in their life. And most people do have some area of life that they're successful in. Not everybody, but most people do. If you do have an area of success, look and see what the habits are. And you do this. If you don't do it in your personal finances, you do it in some other area. So you're just bringing that success into this area. Okay. That makes sense to me. Actually, that totally makes sense to me. And by the way, you mentioned uh, Nir Yell. We're going to have a link to Nir Yell's uh, website called Near and Far and a link to his book on the podcast awesome. notes. So definitely check that out. As well as we're going to capture this information because I know some of you are going to almost get into an accident trying to run for a pen and take down some notes on some of the stuff that Bruce has shared with us. So I, I'm going to take those notes and you're going to find them at businessofdesign.com. And Bruce, oh my gosh, I could just listen to you talk about money forever, which is really saying something because it's not my favorite subject matter. Mm. Uh, but I love that I come away feeling like I can do this. I can handle this. It's great. I love it. And you can also let them know that my book is available. You can buy it at Amazon or any online um, book retailer, book number one. I have a book number two that's around retirement savings. And, you know, I'm around on social media and you and I are on City Line together. Yes, we are. Okay. I know, I'm familiar with Moolala. What's the second book called? The Moolala Guide to Rocking Your RSP which is, uh, yeah, it's around retirement. So for your American listeners, you can, whenever you hear the acronym RSP, just think 401k. 401, 401k. Yeah. Okay. 401k. I, there will be links to both of the books and, uh, awesome. Awesome. Okay. I'm going to put you on the spot again. We end every show with a little design intervention, um, some actionable tip or some awesome, helpful, um, secret that you can share with us that we can take into our world immediately. Take your credit card out of your wallet and go cash only for a week. Ooh, one week. It will, 
blow your mind. It is so annoying. But what it does is it reintroduces a level of consciousness around spending that we have lost. So the data says that uh, credit card spending anesthetizes the pain because it doesn't feel like our money. And so the number is around 20%. So if you go shopping with cash and you do the exact same shop with a credit card, you're going to spend 20% more because it's not your money. When it's your money and you count out those bills like, ow, 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 ow. And I want you in life, I want you in life to have savings be easy and spending be hard. Not hard like guilty, but just hard. Like there are all sorts of, it's hard. Like I got to... Ow, I can't even, I didn't go to the bank, therefore I can't do my grocery shopping. I got to go to the bank so I can do my grocery shopping. That wedding gift, ow. Because that's what's going to help you manage your behavior. We do things that are easy. And one of the problems of living in the year that we are we live in with payments being so easy is everything's easy. You just go on Amazon Prime and it's going to be here tomorrow. Right. I don't want that. I want spending to be hard right. and safe be easy. So I want you to automate your savings into whatever retirement plan you have. I want you to automate your payments on your credit card so that so you like so that you pay the maximum every single month. That's what we want it to be that it's just um it's hard to spend. It's annoying. It hurts. Okay, I'm absolutely going to try going cash for a week and I will report back to everybody what that felt like. I have a feeling it's going to really be eye-opening for me for sure. Yeah. There's nothing like, you know, just you need to zip by and get a loaf of bread and some eggs and realize, oh, my God, I bought lunch at the food court and now I have no money for for a bag of coffee for tomorrow. What? Right. How did this even happen to me? This is the worst, worst day of my life. Right. Or I bought another lip gloss and that's why I don't have money for the coffee that I need tomorrow or whatever Uh it is. Okay. Really, really interesting exercises. Thank you so much for making the subject matter so approachable. I really appreciate it. You're awesome. And I want us to be on City Line together. I think there must be a design and money segment that we can figure out. So I'm going to send a note to Tracy Moore, who's the host, and uh, bugger and tell her that we need an official love-in on air. Love it. All right. You're the best. Thank you so much, Bruce. Thanks for the invitation. At Business of Design, we know it takes more than hard work and talent to successfully run a professional design firm. There are proven business strategies that can solve your immediate business challenges and transform your life. Don't try to do this alone. Join today and you'll have access to more than 100 video courses, plus access to Kimberly Selden as your mentor and guide. Unlike traditional coaching, which can take years to produce tangible results, BOD is a fast track to immediate results for independent interior designers, decorators, architects, stagers, and landscapers just like you. Monthly membership is only $67.50. Annual members save two months and have access to Kimberly's contracts. What are you waiting for? Together, we will achieve extraordinary results. Start today.